Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. That there is Andy Wood. Hello there. And it's we've moved it later in the day. It's there's never there's no consistency to this damn thing. There's no consistency to this, but we just we've avoided gardener time. We did. I I got uh, some passive aggression from the guy with the leaf blower when I asked him to just blow off the tables that get covered in shit when they blow things onto said tables. Oh really? I, just, I thought you could just you know point it at the table first. It's not a big deal. Just. Oh, I'm a one percenter. I'm the worst. God yes. damn it! Yes, like, hey, use your uh, <laughs> use, use your Ghostbuster pack, fossil fuel powered right. machinery, lugged by a lab- manual labor to do what you could do with a feather duster in a matter of seconds. Actually, it was more about that couch over there. That futani thing was covered, and that one's harder to get. Yeah, I can just feather duster this thing. That's true. But you're the worst, Andy. I'm pretty bad. I'm one of the worst. I don't even know what lemonade is, by the way. That's how bad a person I am. It's uh, evidently lemonade's a thing everyone's talking about. I still don't know. Is that a new recording artist? Is it a, a song? I know Beyonce's involved, um, and I know there's someone named Becky. It's, it's it's one of those things where I'm so far out of the loop now. I feel like on on principle, I should never find out what lemonade. I mean, is. it is just an hour to catch up on. This isn't like you're committing to five seasons of The Wire. So it's an hour of something. It is an hour of something. What is the format? What is the well, medium? We should, this is, oh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if I should talk. Oh, yeah, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> I mean, I helped produce Lemonade, so oh! it's kind of like a big deal for me. You know? oh. so um, that's the voice of Andrew Michon, very funny comic who uh, came up in Portland and is... Yeah. You're one of my favorite people on Twitter. Everyone should oh, follow you on wow, Twitter. Wow, Andy, that's nice of you to say. And, and in life, but thanks. also, you know. Yeah, well, thanks. Um, I forgot you're a Portland person. Yeah, yeah. I started in Portland and, yeah, did Bridgetown very early on, and it was mm-hmm. a big part of me being in i actually bridgetown was one of the first places i saw comedy actually like live oh. comedy shows i went to bridgetown like 2007 2008 or something okay and then i think i started comedy in 2009 because you and mikey campman had a show uh in portland that was what i wanted to do before bridgetown was a thing what i tried to do and failed at and right, guys right. Had like an actual so we were cool... in we inspired each other yeah I, but I, really it was it was it was a one-way street though because i just came to that show and i was like oh i wish i could have been this is what i was hoping portland comedy could be when i was starting well, it's become but, that now i mean but uh, i'm not part of it i mean yeah, okay. <laughs> i don't right, get right. to be part of this fun like, no i me either no me either yeah i know we definitely started like a like a we regular yeah we we did it, <laughs> we i think did we did it, it. Um, back to Lemonade, though. <laughs> yeah. It's just a one-hour HBO like live HBO out. Al- it's an HBO video that's also an album, but it's more than just an album. It it's gets described a- as a visual album, but basically, but it's more than that. It's like a it's like an extended music video with a full st- with a sort of storyline with. And you guys have both watched the whole thing. I watched it. I've I've seen, I've seen about forty-five minutes of the hour because I watched it when I was falling asleep. So I, and I dozed off in the middle. It's basically I apologize a, to Beyonce, basically I'm a terrible human. A really long music video with poetry as well. Oh God. It's like, I mean, it's kind of like poetry in between the things. It's like, I felt him inside deep, uh, deeper than the darkest hole. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it's good though. It's very well done. Yeah. And apparently it was only on HBO Go for 24 hours. Oh, it's already gone. Yeah, I didn't realize that, but... I didn't realize that. Well, I, I was watching it. This is so weird. I was watching it and then in the last th- two, two minutes, I paused it to like go to the kitchen. And then when I came back, it was no longer there. And I was like, did something happen? I was so confused because I watched it on Sunday night. And I was like, is it gone? Like, did my computer break? I like turned my PlayStation on and off again. It wasn't there still. 
And then um, I was watching it with my girlfriend, and she had Title on her phone. So we watched the last two minutes on her phone. But it was just so what funny. What is Title? Title. Oh my God, Andy. <laughs> I know. Listen, I know. I've been busy. Title Prince is like... <laughs> died. I've been focused on Prince. Yeah, but yeah, Title's been the around first a lot. So we've done since Prince. Yeah. So it's... Title is basically like Spotify, but it's just different. It's run by. I think more money goes to the artists or something. But it's just a sub- subscription service I for think streaming it's music. Meant to like have a, a higher quality. Right, it's meant to have a higher well, quality. Ponyo of streaming or something. Yeah, and it's like artists and are more behind it. Jay-Z, yeah. Anyway, so it's on Title. Okay, but it was only around for twenty four hours because Moshe, like, he then asked me the next day, was like, "Hey, is that still? Would you watch it on HBO Go?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess is it not there anymore?" He's like, "Yeah, it's gone." And I looked it up, and okay, and when I watched it, it said one day only, but I didn't know what that meant. I was like, "This is a video. What does one day only mean?" But they did mean one day only, I guess. So okay, I was a little bit disingenuous with denying all knowledge of it. It was a surprise, right? It wasn't. That's the, the other yeah. thing is, it was like I guess she was slated to do something on HBO, but no one knew what it was, and then it's in a brand new album, and no one knew that was coming. So there is an album out called Lemonade that accompanies this. Yes, that you can listen to. I think exclusively on title, if, okay. I'm, not, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> and uh, Becky, I guess so. I guess a big part of the album, and again, I've listened to this once. I'm not an expert on this by any means, but I guess a big part of the album is this story that is weaved throughout it that. Her husband, Jay-Z, cheated on her. So that's okay. like a big part of the album. And then the, and then the story in the Lemonade hour-long thing is like he cheated on her and she's really upset and all these deep issues. And then by the end, she forgives him and it's all about like love. And it's unclear whether or not anything actually happened, but people like to speculate. And apparently the word Becky is used as like the girl he Becky with. with the good hair. Yeah. So, yeah, the girl he's cheated on her with or something. Rachel Roy? Yeah. Is, is that's potentially who it might be. Really? And Ra- who's a fashion designer. Huh. And- Rachel Ray? This is an issue. This is a thing that's happened. <laughs> so Rachel Ray has had the last three days worth oh, of oh no. people on her, like Beyonce fans slamming her social media. That is and like she such posted a... a picture of a lemonade recipe. Rachel Ray. Nice. That is like such a funny like microcosm of the internet. Like if you told someone 20 years ago, like in 20 years, someone's going to be dating someone and then come up with an album where it kind of seems like they cheated on them. And then this person who's a chef is going to maybe get involved. It's just like so <laughs> yeah. many parts. Yeah. It's so, so what, crazy. Like, so Kanye fucked Martha Stewart. Yeah, like, what right. happened? <laughs> it's like so removed from reality. It's, and also it could all be like a complete, I mean, and everyone's like, Oh my God, Jay-Z, you know, Beyonce so mad at Jay-Z and all this stuff. I saw one joke on the internet. It was like the funniest one that I saw that was just like, wow, this new Lemonade album proves that, um, that there's a really big beef between Jay-Z and the person who writes Beyonce's songs <laughs> or the people who write Beyonce's songs, <laughs> the you team. know, the team who writes her songs. This, yeah. The 43 year old Swedish. Exactly. Who, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did I talk about that guy? I must've already covered that on the show, right? What was oh, that? I was just listening to that. What when, was that? No, I, I just, when I was working on briefly working on lip sync battle and I was like researching, um, some of the songs, I I realized uh, there's a guy who has the most top 10 who's written the most top 10 singles of anybody in history it's uh, more than elvis more than the beatles um i there's, forgot his there's name. a few, swedish no no there's one guy i know the swedish Martin, guy you're right. talking about but there's there's like about there's a handful of people like that there's about four or five people who between them have written almost every max mega martin pot. that's the one yeah uh, so I, you sure i didn't Go off on this on the show already? Oh my sudden. Okay, because it blew my mind. So he, the only two songwriters with more number one hits to their name are John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Right, and then Max Martin. Wow, a this guy man you've never forty-five year old Swedish guy. I mean, maybe you have. And there was a great New York Times writer. I've heard him. his name, and but specifically mentioned in terms of this is someone who's behind. Right, Britney Meg- Spears, Maroon Five, Katy Perry, Pink, um, uh, Taylor Swift. Like Shake It Off is him. Every hit from the last fifteen years wow. is this guy. 
And there's the coolest thing to me others. is that he there's a way there's way more. Yeah, he has something like I mean, sorry, there's a couple of other uh, people who are also in that sort of similar realm of. Oh yeah, yeah, he's not the and, and all these songs are collaborations. He doesn't write them entirely, but uh, he has 54 songs that have reached the top 10, which is above Madonna's 38, above Elvis Presley's 36, and the Beatles is 34. <laughs> Wow. Jesus. And uh, supposedly he writes his own, he records his own demos of them before he gives them to the artist. And no one's With ever his heard voice? those except, ah. no, but he's a, he's a great singer. Oh, okay. He had a okay. band. He doesn't want to be in front of the, or behind the mic, whichever way a mic would face, whatever. Um, but he's very capable. And supposedly these songs all exist as demos where he not only writes them, but also like sings them exactly as he wants the artist to sing them. That's and they're funny. great, but the public has never heard them. So the only people who have heard them are the artists who then have to go right. record them. And like, how cool would it be to get those 54 songs yeah, that's and funny. have this like box set of Max Martin's what, demos? Yeah, now that's Kathy what, Dennis, that's one of the ones I was trying to think of. She's written a ton of songs. I don't know. You should start she like wrote a, Toxic for Britney Spears and I Kissed a Girl for Katy Perry. And, what's okay. his name? Max what? Max Martin. He should start like a, su- a subscription service. It's like, now that's what I call Max Martin. <laughs> and it's all those uh, all those songs sung by him. And it's so great how many of them are things that people think of as so like personality-based songs that are empowering, that are by these singers. You know, it's like, no, it's all that's this the, Swedish dude. It's so funny. I mean, even like their entire, pers- their entire persona is so cultivated where it's like, this team of producers will like find this girl like oh she oh. looks like she has it and then they'll just frame find this entire Max, Max Martin and, and Kathy Dennis co-wrote I Kissed a Girl Together exactly. so he was also on that song exactly and like Shake It Off which is one of my favorite like pop poppy pop songs it's a great song last, it's a great pop song five ten years yeah that's not Taylor Swift it's Max Martin and Shellback hmm. I don't know who Shellback is well, that's pop music Oh, uh, no, another Swedish dude who's a 31-year-old Swedish dude with long hair. Well, I read about this other Swedish dude. I thought this is what you were talking about, who's like a 24-year-old EDM artist, or maybe he's like 22 or something, very young. And he just announced yesterday, he's like one of the, the most popular EDM, he's the most popular EDM artist in the world. He travels like everywhere and does all these, you know, insane festivals and stuff. He announced yesterday that he's retiring from live performance. It's <laughs> taken its toll on him at the age of like 22. Right. <laughs> it's very, and he wrote this whole thing. He's like, you know, you're out there on the road and your health is suffering. And it's like, just so funny. It's like, he's 22 years old. Yeah, you just go, like, I could do anything at 22. It's crazy. <laughs> Except press buttons for three hours. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's rough. Except press one button and he also talks about your head for three hours. Talks about like the drinking and stuff. It's like that's not required to do your job. That's just you indulging. (laughs) Let's be straight about this. Yeah. Well, I guess the only way to listen to his own music is to be very, very wasted. Yeah. So yeah, it's Lemonade Week. It's it's Prince's passing. That is insane. I still can't believe this year Bowie and Prince. Like it's. You know, two of but, the all-time... But a few, someone wrote in, and you are right, and in fact, I've seen a few articles since now backing up roughly what you were saying on an earlier episode of the show, which is, this is going to start happening a lot, because there was an explosion yeah. in famous people right? sort of in the baby boomer era. Both population exploded, and also just the amount of media yeah. that there was exploded. Suddenly, hmm. there were so ago, many more famous people right, in right. the... 60s and 70s than there were in the 40s and 50s yeah like in the teens and 20s there were probably like 20 people in the world you could consider famous and 10 of them were world leaders and the other 10 were like you know charlie chaplin and uh, yeah so now we are reaching we're reaching it sort of hit a critical mass of a generation of lots of famous people suddenly hitting that age i mean i wonder like 50 years if like 
all these people who are famous for like an instant are also going to be dying and people are going to talk about it like right. like the star wars kid or like these people who or are like, like these internet reality show cast it, members yeah like when a survivor a real world person dies right. in 50 years is it there's not gonna be room in the news to report yeah, all those because there's gonna be gonna so be, many yeah yeah I already, I don't know when they start doing Oscar. I already made a joke about it, so I'm gonna, I'll do the serious angle on it. But yeah, like all the in memoriam montages in future years of all these award shows are just going to be like either super condensed or like Brady Bunch style grids of faces. Oh, or Bunch. yeah, yeah. It's I'm, and not to make light of it. It's horrible. Like it's been a horrible week, and and I mean this is not, uh, but you know Pat Oswalt's wife passing away. That's fucking horrendous, and um. You know, we send our best to him. That's yeah, uh, just very sad. But again, yeah. the, like that sort of hammers home how much more media saturation there is because that was that that wouldn't have been a story twenty years ago. Michelle McNamara, or yeah, like but nowadays because of how social media works and stuff. Right. right. Firstly, Padden is able to have a sufficiently high level of fame and we are sufficiently invested in him as a person. Right. Like, I think CNN wouldn't have... It was on the cover... It was on the front page... Cover. It was on the front page of CNN, um, I think probably because of the number of high-level people who were tweeting condolences at Patton, where CNN might not have had it on the radar. Right. It becomes a story because you can see people's real-life reaction to it. Right. And it... Yeah. And I I hate how much it is about Patton. That's got to be horrible for him to deal with, you know, and not about yeah, Michelle. Not about even I, she even had I her said, and she yeah, had her, yeah. I yeah, you just, it's, I did just that contribute is, to that's that. That's who we have right. a personal connection to. Pat is yeah. a fellow yeah. comedian. He's been on the show. He's like, it's someone. But yeah, we feel we send our best to Pat and his daughter and their family. That's, that's horrible. Um, it's horrible to talk about on a comedy podcast, but uh, yeah, it's been a. And we send our best to Beyonce or whoever or else was cheated. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much empowerment happening. Wait, so it's possible that no one cheated and this whole thing was just a cultivated... Well, there's, it doesn't... Firstly, it doesn't really... There's nothing explicit. It's all... It's a story. It's illusions, yeah. It's all imagery and and poetic language. So there's, there, there isn't... It's not like Beyonce comes, like, looks to camera at one point and just goes, my husband, Jay-Z, the <laughs> but famous rapper, but actually, cheated on me with... No, it. but actually, though, a little bit. And you didn't see the end of it. And, like... I hear you about it just being a story and it just being kind of like storytelling. But the end of the video, like where the song where she talks about like forgiving him and taking him back or whatever it is, it is straight up footage of her and Jay-Z. Okay. And they're like hanging out and they're like looking at each other. And it's so it kind of is a little bit more like, I don't know, but it also is just trying to get people to talk about it, which we're doing. And she won. She wins. Right. She wins again. <laughs> so does Jay-Z get to do a rebuttal on Showtime or something? Like what is his, when does his side of the story get to Yeah, it's called Pink, it's called Pink Lemonade. Pink Lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> so we were having a whole conversation the other day about who from sort of this generation will be the person will be the, will, will be the people who will be like if in 30 years time they suddenly die before like who will be in 30 years time the kind of horrific death that affects people the way prince or bowie or those ones affected us let's definitely bring it and, back to the death thing but yeah. beyonce, no, has no, to be, beyonce is the only one i mean beyonce is the, is like is the it. most obvious one for me of the yeah. person who for for a generation of people for certainly for a group of people met meant something more than music or mean something more I mean Justin right. Bieber does I mean as much as people hate him like some people are crazy obsessed with him yeah, yeah. and he's not gonna go away anytime soon and the and same if he does have a career that sort of outlives and it seems to be like he seems to be having a career that outlives the initial pop stuff and he's like it's I mean he's like selling yeah, out stadiums he sold out like yeah. two shows at, in the Staples Center doing a Q&A 
Like really? no, yeah, I'm not kidding. It wasn't a music show. It was a Q and A, and he sold out like four shows. It was mostly about coloring books. Yeah, adult yeah. coloring books. Uh, yeah, it's like so just crazy. like wander up with a notebook and just go ah, something about buses. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like the laziest open mic. Pretty yeah, much. I think he and Adele. She broke all these records with yeah, record Adele sales. Be a big one. So Lady Gaga, I think, will be. Up Let's there. talk about who who's, who's going to be who's sad who's about gonna these gonna people die? dying. Why is saddest? this the <laughs> after Bowie? I did uh, have a conversation with Dave Holmes about like who are the next. Who's who's at an age? What's possible and is going to most devastate the culture when it happens? Yeah, but never the, saw Prince even coming. Did that? No, one, I, was I, that I, even I don't on think radar? it might have been. But then we we're like, well, too young, too young. And I was like, well, McCartney. Um, McCartney will be a huge one. Yeah, yeah. But also McCartney sort of. I, there's a bit of me. Look, his, his, his fans are old enough; they're not going to be as active on social media as Prince's fans. That, there's were, that, so, like, and there's also. Even though he's still like super active and gigging all the time, and obviously an absolute rock solid legend, there is something about being a quarter of a band, half of which has already died. Where it's so, right. where in that it's sense, it kind of yeah. almost isn't same. a shock. In and, the same way. and people play favorites and act like Lennon's somehow better than. Sorry, I'm, I'm biased towards. Yeah, you're McCart- a big McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 you get it. Um, uh, but Elton John, when we lose Elton John, that's going to be that's the next. Yeah. That'll be a huge. Yeah. Um, McCartney will be huge. Like McCartney yes, will be on yeah, every yeah. front page of every newspaper for more than one for a while. Well, the, the, but, and the interesting thing about all these people is that they're like they're very generation spanning in terms of their popularity. That's true. It's like Prince and Bowie have been extremely popular forever. You yeah. know, that's part of it. Is that it's like it's not like they were popular for five years and then yeah. kind of went away. And it's not like they're popular with like one group, like millennial. You know, like Justin yeah, Bieber's yeah, yeah. only popular with young people. It's like every generation of people for 30 years have known them. Or yeah. I don't know the exact timing, but something like that. Yeah, like like Lemmy dying was big, but not huge. Right. The way that like Iggy Pop will be big, but not... Oh, this is so awful. This talking. is very dark. But no, but seriously. Okay, but um, uh, Elton John, um, I think definitely... Who was the one that was kind of related to Iggy that I was thinking of? Um, oh, I lost it. I had a good one. I had a good... I had a good, get a good one. Yeah, I, get a good, I don't I get, know if that's the term. <laughs> Somebody in there. Oh, uh, Springsteen. When Springsteen goes, oh, that'll be huge. That'll be, that'll be yeah, massive. Because yeah. yeah. also Springsteen, someone who has a really personal connection with his fans. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the other thing. I think it's it sort of not just someone who's people have had a fat being fans of for years. It's people. The thing that really hit everyone with both Bowie and Prince is they're both people who the fandom seems to be not just about transcends the music. It's about no, they meant something to me on a yeah. like, well, I, guttural level. They also Prince and Bowie both like represent a change in culture as well as like accepting people who are like different or like accepting this kind yeah, of in- yeah, inner weirdness yeah. in yourself and kind of, like Springsteen has that particularly for the sort of working class yeah, blue right, collar. right I mean that's why Subversive, they're all popular like the voice of the blue collar working man exactly but like with subversive elements to his stuff like yeah. so you can take the stuff on the fa- on face level as the 84 Reagan campaign did or you can actually listen to lyrics and realize oh wait Born in the USA is not a pro-America song yeah. And that's probably why they were all they were so popular is yeah, because they had these did. messages that were like went beyond the music, right? Like the Randy Randy Newman "I Love LA," right? Stuff. Like, wait, you listen to this. What? Okay, right, right. it's an LA anthem. Um, but yeah, okay. So we can just ask uh, Springsteen and Ellen John to stay alive for one more year. Yeah. That'd be as a favorite. Us, yeah. Morrissey will be a huge one for people. Nah. And then every time, every time a huge musician dies, just bring me back, and we'll, we'll chat <laughs> we'll about this. it and see if yeah, our we'll, predictions were correct. We won't do any science. We'll do we'll some. Just, we'll do yeah. some analytics on the Madonna. tweets. Madonna will be a massive. One. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, of Madonna. course, of course. Yeah, Madonna, Elton John. Um, there's eight, there's definitely 80s ones I'm forgetting. Most of whom Cher. were just doing Prince songs anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, sure. Cher. Cher's funny on Twitter. Is she? I mean, she's very weird on Twitter. It's a 
very unclear what she's doing on there. Oh, <laughs> like a Carrie Fisher sort of no I don't know. It's the... just kind of like she'll just do like these emojis and just be like, hey, chickies. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's very funny. I got to check it out. Okay, let's get away from the death thing. It's my fault. I take responsibility. And um, let's get into some science. So we always ask yeah. our guests before we get into stories. Very quickly, though, but just oh. very, before you talk, surprisingly hilarious on Twitter, uh, Rivers Cuomo. Oh, really? Yeah, hilarious. Oh, man, because I want to go off on that for a second, but maybe after a story. But his episode of Song Exploder from last week is amazing. To oh, really? hear about how he writes songs, do you know what his, what his method is? Uh-uh. I don't want to just rehash someone else's podcast, but it involves a lot of spreadsheets. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Check out Song Exploder. Listen to last week's episode. Um, so, yes, before we get into stories, Andrew, do you have any background in science, uh, e- even if it's just a memory of a class you took and didn't like? or I mean, I've taken science classes, um, but I don't have any specific... I don't know. I, mean, like, I took, like, you know, science in high school. I took, like, chemistry and stuff. And then in college, I think I kind of skirted the science. My, I went to college with a notoriously difficult science requirement, which was just, like, a science class that was very, very hard. And I ended up kind of skirting that by taking geology at a local, like, uh, less good school. Like rocks for jocks? Yeah, of, uh, I did that. Okay. Yeah. So that was a thing you... I, see, I still don't understand quite how the American system works with college credits, but you could just... You're a member of one university, yeah. but you just go off to a different university for an afternoon and get that course I credit. did it over the summer. I just... I don't know. I was like nervous about taking these classes. Were apparently I went to like a notoriously hard school. This is Reed Reed right? College yeah. in Portland. It's like a small liberal arts school. It's where Steve Jobs went and dropped out. Uh, yeah, he was there for briefly. Yeah, and it's just like it was very but not very, at the same time as you. Uh, I was there earlier. And okay. <laughs> when he dies, by the way, when Steve Jobs dies. I feel like it's going to be oh it's yeah, it's going to be huge for a lot of people. Huge. Um, so, anyways, I, I I took geology. Long story short, and so that I basically learned nothing, mm-hmm. and I don't have much science in my past. That's okay. But I like reading science stuff. I don't know. That's, we, we all fucking love science. Yeah, as the internet tells us. Yeah. Is that what it stands for? <laughs> you know, Matt, I didn't want to tell you. It's a little... Oh my God, that's so NSFW. rude. NSFW. Yeah. Um, so, you got, what's your guys' science history? I'm sure you've talked about it plenty on this. We haven't in a while. I guess we could just say, yeah, I have uh, an engineering degree, electrical engineering degree. Okay. And I used that for... Um, I don't even know if I really used it, but I had tech-related jobs for the first six years out of school. I was a consultant, and then I was an applications engineer for a Portland company. Like The reason I moved to Portland was because um, Hmm. a guy who's now running for governor of of Oregon, Alan Alley, he lived in my hometown. I babysat his kids, and then when the dot-com consultancy I was working for in San Francisco went belly up in the dot-com bust, because I'm old, uh, back in 2001... The only job options I had were move to Portland and work for the company Alan had started, um, which was they made like chips that go into TVs and projectors, or move to Boston to work for Raytheon on oh. defense contracting, which post 9-11 would have been lucrative, but like sort of um, morally. Yeah, yeah, a little questionable. Yeah. yeah. So that sort job like, would have been very secure. You've got yeah. the dilemma at the end of Real Genius. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Like, fill a house with popcorn or... Wait, what, I what yeah. Or build a perfect woman? No, no it's weird. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I always confuse those two. No, yeah. I wasn't confused. It's completely the sister movies. They also yeah. have two... Yeah. Um, no, but I would have had to work on a missile defense system, on, on a radar system that we, I guess the U.S. is allowed to have one of them, but not two, and building the second one was going to be a violation of the anti-ballistic missile treaty. And that's what really? I would have been, would have been working on. So. Like illegal, like they were going to build it? Uh, well, illegally according to this international treaty, but, you know, fuck treaties were the U.S., wow. I guess. Yeah. So I was like, I think I'm just going to go to Portland and work on TVs. Yeah. And that's, that's Any treaties against there. that or was it? Everything was fine. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Up, up and up. Just, yeah. you know, helping people watch uh, 
what was a good mid 2000s TV show? Blind Date? I don't know. <laughs> cribs. Cribs. MTV's sure. Cribs. Yeah. Uh, I always think of Blind Date and Eliminate. That oh, oh I remember those. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I I did a mathematics degree and I never used it. Hmm. Uh, but I did help America build missiles. You How did you pull that off? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I was very into math in school. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, I was in high school and stuff. Could you have not done that as your science requirement or some kind of math? Yeah, I had to do math as well. Okay. Yeah, so I forget what I did, but statistics Reed, or something. Reed College has been, uh, by some lists, uh, it's considered the most intellectual university in the country. Or, and the hardest, and apparently. The hardest it gets ranked like the hardest school in the country. It's very difficult. I mean, the, the amount of work that you're given on a daily basis is unreasonable. What was your major? I was a religious studies major. I didn't know that. Yeah. Probably. Not something I'm really interested in at this point. Pretty early on, I was like, I want to do entertainment, so I'll just take classes that I like. And then I liked those classes, and I was like, I'll just do that, and then I'll write a thesis in that, and then I won't ever do it again. <laughs> and I wasn't raised religious. It's just like the classes that I took, they were good teachers, and it was interesting. What was your thesis on? My thesis was on the Catholic Church and their opinions on extraterrestrial life. Actually. What? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. How yeah. did you have enough sources to make There was a lot. Well, because basically... <laughs> <laughs> The reason why I thought of it is because I had read this article on like just on Google or something about how like the head of the Vatican's um, uh, astro like astrological system they have like a whole like uh, what's the term like a telescope they have like a whole what's is there a better word for telescope what do you mean like an like a whole astronomy oh, 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 department um, observatory yeah observatory that's okay, what it is yeah. the head of the Catholic observatory had like um, made this announcement that like if aliens show up. It doesn't mean that the Catholic Church is wrong about everything. It means that maybe God created other planets, but didn't tell us for our own good kind oh of a thing. Right. Very crazy. And it's like this weird, like, protecting their own ass kind of thing. Yeah. But it's also just very weird. It's like, why would they come out and say this? Like, why would they be okay with this? Like, what do they know? Yeah, that's kind of, a lot of people are saying that. I mean, I was like, I was reading some conspiracy theory stuff, but it didn't really become part of my thesis. Um, but then I, but for the thesis, I basically just like contextualize that within a larger framework of like the way the Catholic Church has approached science since like the Copernicus thing where they were yeah. very mad at this guy for saying that the earth was round when they said it was flat. And then it turns out the earth is round and they were like, oh, sorry about that kind of a thing. And then from that point on, they were like a bit more lenient towards science where yeah. they were like kind of open the door a little bit and actually tried to get on the forefront of science. Like the Catholic observatory is like one of the best observatories in the world. Like I think the Catholic Church owns like some of the top observatories out there because they're trying to like kind of be ahead of the curve on stuff yeah. like that and this is like yeah a little, little bit of a hipper right. uh, skateboarding so it was if, any, if anything the, the earth is even rounder than round <laughs> it's extra round yeah, yeah so That's basically incredible. the thesis was like yeah just like that this isn't like a, a new shift in terms of the catholic church like embracing things openly it's just kind of like a protecting their ass kind of thing that they've been doing for a while since they made that kind of mistake but it's like what a long shot it's pretty and, crazy and to, to, to put it on record that you're already covering your ass for when this thing that's that when it happens will change everything about the world and no I one will it. give a shit like no one's gonna care what your stance is if we find out there's but it's it, gonna change well, I also so it much is like it, it's I, I don't know much about Catholicism but I know I was raised Jewish and I'd never studied it to a sufficiently high level but I know there there is enough there, there is enough debate and theory and constantly recontextualizing the very limited amount of Jewish texts to keep thousands of rabbis occupied full-time forever. And all they're doing is reinterpreting and re-arguing what's already existed, and in some cases coming up with contingencies for how this thousands-of-year-old 
information is true in the light of this new modern world in which we exist because it has to be true for all time right and and part of that is also predicting what might happen making contingency plans for everything so it is kind yeah, of it's... their job to make and i'm sure the catholic church has the similar thing where it's their job to already have an answer in place just in case and the thing about extraterrestrial life that is specifically um con- like problematic is that if basically the universe is so large that if we find any evidence of life anywhere. If we find like a single-celled organism on any planet or anything like that, it means that there's infinite life everywhere because there's like hundreds of billions of stars and all yeah. that stuff. So it's basically the it's basically like this is the only place we know where it exists. So if we find even this tiniest sliver of anything anywhere else, it means that there's like advanced civilizations everywhere, just based on the probability yeah. of how the math works out. When did this start becoming a thing they even had to comment on? Do you remember the dates of when people started? I mean, I think the specific. Um, it's been so long, but this came out the year I wrote my thesis, I think like 2008, 2009, oh, wow. was this specific article. But I think they'd said things leading up to that a little bit. Um, That's fucking fascinating. Yeah. And it wasn't like the Pope, but it was the head of the Catholic Church Observatory who was a, a, an authority figure. He yeah. wasn't just like some random guy. He wasn't just like a priest. Um, yeah. So that was what I wrote my thesis on. Interesting. Yeah. How did you do? You get graded? Is it, oh wait, let me guess. Reed, Reed has no Reed has no grades. Uh, Funny you'd say that. <laughs> they do something that I actually think is the best way to do that sort of thing because it is a very alternative school. They have grades. Mm-hmm. You never see them. What do you so mean? <laughs> I've never. You have grades in every class. You're graded on everything you do, every paper, every everything you do. You never see them. You never get a report card. You never get a progress update. If you're doing poorly, they'll let you know. But other than that, it's not something you have to worry about. So it's kind of like an interesting way to do it where you're still graded, but you just it doesn't become part of like the framework for how you think of your education. Yeah. Other end of the spectrum, in my college, not only were you graded, but when you got your test back, it had your rank in the class on That's that like, test. That's yeah, the exact opposite. And it was like a game to try to see if you can get how many like ones you could get. And I had right. a couple ones. Okay, like, yeah. I don't know. I just I didn't I did the best work I could and I didn't really worry about what my grade was. And also I've never used my degree. So right. that's so part how, of it as I mean, well. Does anybody even there's no valedict when you graduate, are there any special accolades to really awesome people or I don't think so. Also, you can look at your grades if you really want to, but they make it like intentionally hard. It's like some building with a basement. Somewhere. You have to like go <laughs> submit a thing and then they'll send it to you. And after I think you can only do it after the semester is over. Okay. Yeah, they make it like a bit more complicated. So, I mean, but isn't part of grading, like grading papers and things, is is like having a feedback loop? They give you feedback. Okay, they say, yeah. this is what you did right, this is what you did wrong. And also, the classes are so small. I did some classes where it was literally me and the professor and four people in his office. Like, that's how small the class was. Just in case the hacky sack went away from YouTube. Yeah, and we're trying to just like keep the, it in the air, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so I did. I had such small classes that it's like, you know if you're not doing the reading and not paying attention and not participating in class. Like, yeah. you know if you're doing well or not because it's such a small thing wow. it was a good school yeah i liked it i mean i'm not it's not, seems not like for everyone ultimate college experience like yeah. what yeah I, I yeah it was good have that. <laughs> it was definitely too small and i was very like socially felt very stifled at the end and i had do, i started doing comedy like my junior year and i was like oh this is what i want to do i just want to do this so i was like going to open mics and doing yeah. shows and stuff well that's when you started coming out you were still in school yeah like, yeah oh man i wish i'd start as oh yeah these kids these millennials these they know how to kids. do it yeah they know when to start that's awesome yeah. oh, that's really cool and that is, it's funny how, how sciencey that is. That, uh, that yeah, it's thesis. true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I never, that's the other thing. I never think about college or what I studied because it just doesn't influence my life now. Yeah, yeah. But it was good. I'm glad I went and I'm glad I did what I did. 
And wasn't there a crazy? We, we gotta get the stories. I know. Yeah, but uh, we'll come back to. Questions. There's like a big end of the year party. That's they have this big right? party at this that school called Ren Fair, where the school spends like hundreds of thousands of dollars on this just like giant party for four days. Yeah, and like kids do a lot of drugs, and it's very like hedonistic, and they build like a bunch of like sculptures, and it's basically like a bunch of kids walking around on drugs, like surrounded by trash. It's just like weird. Like they'll like build like a big obelisk and then destroy it in like this ceremony it's very like it's it's basically mini burning, burning man, man. Yeah. i've heard a lot of people who have been to both burning man and this Renfair thing compare the two interesting so uh well there's a story that tom drummond listener just sent in that sort of relate it's, it's sticking with the same theme this is things we don't currently know about the universe uh or things we suspect but physicists made a black hole in a lab that may finally prove hawking radiation exists some 42 years ago, renowned theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking proposed that not everything comes, that comes into contact with the black hole succumbs to its unfathomable nothingness. Tiny particles of light, photons are sometimes ejected back out, robbing the black hole of an infinitesimal amount of energy. This gradual loss of mass over time means every black hole eventually evaporates out of existence. Uh, by the way, for a, for a better explanation of how Hawking radiation works... Jan 11's episode? The very first episode we did with Jan 11... Who, by the way, has a new book out, and you should get it. It's just come out. Her new book, which is all about the stories and the characters and the people behind the LIGO project and how it got set up, and really, and sort of takes you right through from the very early days of it to the discovery that we talked about on our show. Mm-hmm. So get that book. We'll link to it on probablyscience.com. And if you want to find the episode that was episode 73 we had with her that explains this very well. Yeah. Uh,. Where, if, if I remember rightly, it sort of rely, relies on the fact that particles and antiparticles can become, can be generated spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Like, out of nowhere, all the time, continually, a particle and an antiparticle will just appear. Uh, and then they'll instantly collide, recollide, and disappear. Yeah. Can but you, Can you two hold on for a second while I go listen to that episode <laughs> yeah, and then I'll come back? Okay, perfect. <laughs> but if it happens right exactly at the event horizon of a black hole so that one of these particles is on one side of the event horizon the other side one isn't uh is on the other side then one will fall into the black hole and the other bit will go off into space Mm -hmm. and so won't escape and and eventually over time that energy will just dissipate so black holes evaporate uh she explained it far better and more accurately than i'm sure i did i think that's what i took away from hers also it's Um, the simplest uh so, but after f- more than four decades, no one's been able to actually prove they exist, and his proposal remains firmly in the territory of the hypothesis. That might be about to change, with two independent groups of researchers reporting that they found evidence to back up Hawking's claim, and it could see one of the greatest living physicists finally win a Nobel Prize. Yeah, I hadn't realized that he hadn't got one, but I guess he, you sort of have to have your theory be proved... There has to be a specific thing that happens besides just... For a theorist to win a Nobel Prize, yeah. it, it has to sort of be experimentally proven. Like, Einstein didn't win the Nobel Prize for relativity. He won it for the photoelectric effect. Oh, I forgot that. And general relativity was only proven years later when they found some observations of in an eclipse, I believe. So in this article, it says, let's go back to 1974, where this all began. Hawking got into an argument with Princeton University graduate student Jacob Birkenstein, who suggested in his PhD thesis that a black hole's entropy, the disorder of a system related to its volume, energy, pressure, and temperature, was proportionate to the area of its event horizon. Uh, this was a problem because according to the accepted understanding of physical laws, including Hawking's own work, the entropy and volume of a black hole could never decrease. Hawking investigated the claims and soon enough realized he'd been proven wrong. 
He did a prodigious calculation involving quantum theory, the strange rules that govern the subatomic world, and was shocked to find particles coming away from the black hole, indicating it wasn't so black after all. So he proposed that this universe, the universe is filled with virtual particles that, according to what we know about how quantum mechanics work, blink in and out of existence and annihilate each other as soon as they come into contact, except if they happen to appear, here we go, hmm. on either side of a black hole's event horizon. So one particle gets swallowed up by the hole and the other one disappears off into space. The existence of Hawking radiation has answered a lot of questions about how black holes actually work, but in the process raised a bunch of problems that physicists are still trying to reconcile. No result in theoretical physics has been more fundamental or more influential than his discovery uh, that black holes have entropy proportionate to their surface area. Uh, where says Lee Smolin, who's a physicist. When Birkenstein received the Wolf Prize in 2012 and the Einstein Prize in 2015 for his work, uh... Neither scientist has been awarded the most prestigious prize in science for the discovery. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, this is all. There's a lot of preamble. It's a lot, a lot of preamble. I'm going to skip half of this. <laughs> yes, it you, really is. It's an ambitious. It. He just said in the article, so like, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, it's very it's... ambitious to detect because it's stealing an infinitesimal <laughs> amount of energy from black hole each time they escape, and the black holes are thousands of light years away. But physicist Jeff Steinhauer from Technion University in Haifa, Israel, says he's come up with a solution. If we can't detect Hawking radiation in a natural black hole, why not bring the black holes to our best instruments? Um, Steinhauer has managed to create a lab-sized black hole made from sound, and when he kicked it into gear, he witnessed particles steal energy from its fringes. Uh, he's, he cooled helium to just above absolute zero, then churned it up so fast it formed a barrier through which sound should not be able to pass. But he found that signs that phonons, which are the very small packets of energy that make up sound waves were leaking out of his sonic black hole, just as Hawking's equations predict they should. So I guess a, a phonon is to sound what a photon is to light. <laughs> I don't... This... I don't want to sound like I should be able to refute something that's uh, from real it's scientists. It's not yet been peer-reviewed, it says in here. The phonons as a concept... I mean, sound waves are just air being compressed and Well, except uncompressed. everything that is a wave is also a particle. Okay, okay. It just energy energy has anyway, okay, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt it. No. So the experiments are beautiful, says this physicist, uh <laughs> who's running his own earth based experiments to try and detect Hawking radiation. Uh but some of the claims he made are open for debate. Uh meanwhile, another paper published in Physical Review Letters last month has found a different way to strengthen the case for Hawking radiation. Physicists Chris Adami and Camille Bradler from the University of Ottawa describe a new technique that allows them to follow a black hole's life over time. That's exciting stuff because it means whatever, whatever information or matter that passes over the event horizon doesn't disappear, but is slowly leaking back out during the later stages of black hole's evaporation. To perform this calculation, we had to guess how a black hole interacts with the Hawking radiation field that surrounds it. This is because there currently is no theory of quantum gravity that would suggest such an interaction. However, it appears we made a well-educated guess because our model is equivalent to Hawking's theory in the limit of fixed, unchanging black holes. Both results will need to be confirmed, but they suggest that we're inching closer to figuring out a solution for how we can confirm or disprove the existence of Hawking radiation, and that's good news for its namesake. Uh, as Moody points out, Peter Higgs, who, had to, who predicted the existence of the Higgs boson, had to wait 49 years for his Nobel Prize. So I have to wait and see if Hawking ends up with his own. Okay, that that sound thing I want to look into. I haven't heard of phonons, and it sort of sounds suspect. To yeah, me. <laughs> but these things do. You know, 
I don't, I don't, I can't believe there's a way that you could model the behavior of a black hole with, with sound. That just doesn't seem. This would be a good, oh, this would have been a good time to get Janner on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's exciting. And the other experiment, um, which I don't quite understand either, at least doesn't rely on that. So. Maybe cool. We'll, good luck to you, Stephen. We hope you get your Nobel Prize. It's interesting that this is the first time that you've heard of an experiment to replicate a black hole, right? Is that is that what you're saying? Um, no, like I, with the sound thing. Yeah, I just I, I can't see I can't see what an analog an analogy to an actual black hole that just involves sound would be. Like, I, it yeah. just doesn't intuitively make any sense to me. But what I'm not trying to say again. These are experts. I, <laughs> I just started checking the URL. Like, what is this site? Where, right, yeah, okay. right. It's uh, futurism.com. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, there is a story as well in the Scientific American that I think was sent in by Justin Broad um, about how uh, four different published papers offer explanations of a new subatomic particle. Because the Large Hadron Collider, which was just mentioned here with the Higgs boson, uh, found the Higgs boson, but then predicted there might be another particle from their findings. And now in physical review letters, they've published basically four papers simultaneously with different proposals of like, this is what this might be. <laughs> Get working, experimental physicists. There's a new particle with a mass of 750 GV, which would decay into two photons. Such a particle would be much more thrilling than the Higgs boson, uh, says Christopher Pieceson, who's says, a theoretical says physicist. Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> who's he to say how, how thrilling particles are? I don't know. I think I think you can, in science, I think it is possible to empirically measure how thrilling it's a particle a is. To quantify yeah. thrill? It sounds like a boson to me. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. Andrew, Andrew. That's all I can contribute. Andrew. That's it for me. Oh, you cheeky. <laughs> Oh, um, was that it for that one? <laughs> I think that is it for that. I mean, there's more to that story, but we were getting really bogged down in theoretical physics, and I thought I, it was losing me. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I'm I think down. I'll say this: I'm down. You know, he's down. I'm down. He's down. down. Andrew's down. I did. I just sent a text to Jana saying, "Like, can you explain this? Yeah, we don't understand what it's talking about." Uh, but uh, should we do an easier story? Is there one about someone named Becky? Yeah, with. <laughs> Here, that's yeah. Uh, there's the bed bug story. Oh, the bed bug story. Sure, Baz Lovenberg sent in on Twitter. He, he tweeted sent in us a bunch of those at Probably Science is the Twitter handle for anyone who wants to use it. Mm -hmm. Bed bugs are repulsed by certain colors. Mm -hmm. They appear to have a strong preference for a particular color, a quirk that could be used against the troublesome pests. According to the work in the Journal of Medical Entomology, uh, the blood. I. I. The editorializing? What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the blood-sucking blood insects. Yeah. They gotta write yeah. an article. It's We're not, just repurposing their they article. Do blood suck. They do suck blood, though. Yeah. But it, it is that sort of... That way that... This is on the BBC, but any more tabloidy writing, or even journalism in general, now feels like you can only say the name of a thing once, and then you have to keep coming up with increasingly <laughs> contrived mm -hmm. synonyms and analogies. The, At least it's not like going with variety speak, which is the weirdest and funniest to me. Yeah, the red-headed funster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, lensing, because they can't say shooting anymore. Like, you know, All right. if, if a person's oh, like a shooting a movie, they'll say he's, he's lensing the next I've project. Never, like, variety has its own weird slang. Yeah. yeah. Weird. The. Anyway, okay, bed um, bugs. so bedbugs, blood-sucking insects. The diminutive right. songstress. <laughs> <laughs> They love black and red, but they hate yellow and green. They do. And that information could help make better traps to lure and catch the bugs. But, but it is too soon oh, to say yeah, if yellow is too soon. to stop them nesting in your bed, say the U.S. researchers. Uh, 
So, again, fuck you, <laughs> fuck thing? you, this writing. But I, I, I like the BBC, but bed bugs are tiny and they like to live close to their next meal. Your blood. <laughs> <laughs> they can hide in the seam of your mattress or a joint in your bed frame. Tend to prefer fabric and wood over plastic and metal. Uh, which is good because my, my bed is entirely metal and covered in a plastic sheet <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but Dr. Kurt... Curianne McNeil and colleagues wanted to find out if colors affected where bed bugs might dwell. So they carried out a series of experiments in their lab, placing bed bugs in dishes with different colored shelters made out of card. Uh, rather than taking cover at random, the bed bugs appeared to select the shelters according to their color, showing a preference for black and red. Uh, we originally thought bed bugs might prefer red because blood is red and that's what they feed on. However, after doing the study, the main reason we think they preferred red colors is because the bed bugs themselves appear red. So mm. they go to these harborages because they want to be with other bed bugs. Stupid bed bugs. <laughs> it's just a piece of card, you idiot. Uh, the bugs appear to dislike yellow and green shelters, possibly because these bright colors reminded them of brightly lit areas that are less safe to hide in, say the researchers. That's such good luck, because my sheets are yellow. They are. Now. Yeah, all right. <laughs> this is a BBC article? This is. Is that Bed Bug Channel? Yes, oh, okay, that is cool. what, is that what BBC it stands, stands for. for? Yeah. Uh, it's weird that they actually managed to have a coal broadcasting corporation yeah, I know. based in Britain. And it's just also being... weird that they write an article that kind of is against bedbugs a little it bit. Is. You know? Or at least outing their... Yeah, at least outing so their intentions. Divulging their secrets. Yeah. They want, like, this is just for us bedbugs, guys. This should be for like... But, is there like yeah. an air, like airport CNN? Like, should, is there like a BBC that's just for other? Uh, is there an airport CNN? <laughs> There's CNNs for everything. Yeah, the thing, there was really? an like, article that said CNN launches CNN CNN. That's just for like CNN employees. That's funny because I I always see CNN on in airports, but I didn't realize there was a special version. They have their own. Yeah, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. What what is different? What is on an airport CNN that is? It's what's not on there is uh, stories about crashed planes. No, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> what do they? It's just like headline, headline news. So I guess they probably minutes you'll get through all the stories that makes sense it's they probably re- they probably cycle through the stories quicker so that yeah because people are only in an airport for a short period of time or unless uh, they work yeah. there in which case they're probably driven crazy by the i used to work in a toy shop and the, there was a barney the dinosaur dvd that was just played oh, on loop because it was the year barney even just working in a grocery store as a bag boy for a summer where like they had you know a cable radio and it was just kiss 12 from, songs kiss from a rose <laughs> All I Want to Do by Sheryl Crow <laughs> and uh, You Say, Lisa Loeb, just nonstop, the summer of 94. I'll just say this as a side note. You guys ever go to Shop House? No. The restaurant? They got good music. That's it. That's it. It's got <laughs> real good music. Real good it's owned by Chipotle. It's like Chipotle's version of Thai food. It's really what? good. Yeah. You haven't heard about this? It's Wait, a, say it's, it again? It's called Shop House. H- okay. H- or S-H-O-P space house. It's only in Los Angeles. They're testing it here. It's oh. like a new test. And it's basically like... Thai food Chipotle. So it's like you go and there's like you order like rice or or lettuce and you get like a meat or a vegetable and then like a sauce. It's very good. It sounds it's great. Ac- it's across from the Arclight on uh, Sunset and Vine oh. in, in Hollywood. Anyways, the music there, it's like this kind of like like kind of electronic, but it's like really good. They just have good music there. Just if you're ever just looking for a good place to chill out, listen to some good music, have some Thai food. Check out Shop House. Are they going to start doing their own like Starbucks style? I was thinking, yeah. Well, I, well, I was making a joke. Like, here, ask me what kind of music I like. Like, what my favorite type what of music? Kind of, what's Andrew? What's your favorite kind of music? I like EDM. I like house. I like techno. I like Shop House. I like. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak it in there. <laughs> there, <you go. laughs> there it is. 
Drum and bass, yeah. Chipotle. Yeah, right, right. Dubstep. But, okay, he, do a, he does like a kind of like it's kind of interesting. He's got like a kind of shop house. Shop house yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so about this bedbug thing, he kind of blends like shop house with like a more kind of progressive house. Right. So here's the thing about this bedbug article, though. They're talking about like, oh, don't get yellow sheets just yet. It's like, yeah, bedbugs might have a proclivity for a certain color in a very controlled lab environment. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure in every other environment, they're just going to go for the where the people are. You know what I mean? They're going to find the bodies that are warm. Right. Or so, also, if you think you might have bedbugs, instead of changing the color of yeah. your sheets, maybe do whatever it is you're supposed to right. do when you get bedbugs. But also just like they're they're probably much more attracted to a warm body than they are yeah, the color does, red. Yeah. It does even say that in the story. It yeah. Says it's just funny, though. It's like such a point. I think bedbugs are pretty opportunist when it comes to... Right, they're just trying to find people. Yeah. But maybe you, maybe it might help make a bed bug trap. Yeah, maybe that yeah that's true. I like that. Mm-hmm. You have guys... a predominantly yellow bed and then an area of red and black, and that's where they go, and then you can find them. Any bed bug experiences from you two? I've yeah. actually got lucky with bed bugs, but I did have fleas that infested the laundry room of my apartment building, and that was oh, horrible. No. That took about five... To- just when you think you've killed them all, suddenly they just reappear. They were in your stuff? They got into my stuff. They got everywhere. Yeah, I, got, I had fleas four years ago, and it was the worst summer oh of my life. Oh, my God. I was convinced it was bed bugs, and I thought my social life was over. Because, although fleas are just yeah, as bad. Yeah, it sounds bad. just as bad. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what No, but is. I think bed bugs, you pretty much have to burn everything you right. have. Yeah. Whereas fleas, you can kill, you can kill it. Yeah, I, I still I use the same those... bedding that I used yeah, then, yeah. and it's fine now. I encountered bed bugs in a hotel once. It was very rough. I was very upset. You were sure they were bed bugs? Yeah, it was like red, and I... I squashed it and blood came out oh, of it okay. and it was like did, did, and i took pictures of it and did it, it seemed, get you or did you notice it before you i noticed it the morning after i mean i don't know the morning after i slept there did you get bitten i didn't notice any bites on me but i complained and they like weren't as apologetic as they should be yeah. it was like really crazy and i like had all my clothes and i thought about throwing them out but then i just washed them like 10 times and then Isn't i never the most infuriating thing by the way that when you go when you when something terrible happened yeah, and they don't act as serious as you need them to. Or, yeah. or, they're, or they're angry at the wrong person. Yeah. Like this, it's just, I was I was at the supermarket yeah, sure. a couple of weeks ago, and they had this bit, they had this sort of bin of wines that were on discount, like clip for clearance. Mm-hmm. And I just, I grabbed, I was like, oh, fuck, I might as well use this to stock up. They look like half decent wines. So I got maybe seven or eight bottles. Mm-hmm. And, and then after the... The checkout guy scanned all of them and I paid for it. I checked my receipt and I was like, this seems wrong. And I checked the receipt and it turns out he hadn't scanned the discounted price. Right. So then I, I sort of, I said to him, I think you've missed anyone. Oh, I'm go- you have to go to the customer service desk. So I went to the customer service desk and he had, he screwed up. But then the woman on the customer service desk just spent the whole time bitching to me about him. Huh. <laughs> about how like she's, he's made, She's picking up his like. Snack. Oh, he's. This is the second time he's done this, and now I've got to do all this extra work. And you're like, "Fuck you!" Apologize to me. Yeah, this is your job, also. Yeah, like, like you, you would be. You're doing... at work doing this. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, yes, it sucks for you, but also your job is to be on the customer service yeah. desk fixing mistakes, and you'd be fixing some other mistakes if you weren't. If I wasn't here, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're like, gonna well, you're be a great point. You're, you're, you're going to be done at the end is, of the day. Yeah. Your job is just doing this. Yeah. If, if yeah. he doesn't fuck up, you don't have a job. Yeah. yeah. If someone doesn't fuck up, you don't have a job. He's cost you just staring into space for a bit, or you'd have to do some other work. Yeah. Maybe this is an annoying bit of work. Maybe it is irritating for you to have to do this. I'm sure it is annoying to have to fix someone else's mis- one of your colleagues' mistakes. Yeah. But you that's a private conversation. That's something between you and him and maybe your supervisor. That's I shouldn't yeah. be included in this yeah. conversation. You shouldn't be going like, what am I supposed to Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry for you. 
Meanwhile, I also have to stand here right. for an extra you should, 15 You should have been like, you know what? This is actually a good thing for you because you get to talk to me and then you kind of like, you know, Develops be nice to her and you kind of yeah. be like, you know, this is good because we get to chat. Customer service stuff is always so funny. I had just like a very small thing happen to me yesterday. It's tiny, but it was funny to me. I'm at like Lassen's, a little like local health food grocery yeah, yeah. store. How's the music there? Uh, it's okay. All right. And um, it's, one it's, it's no shop house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm there and I bought some groceries and then I used my debit card and I was going to get cash back. So I used the machine and I, uh, the machine thing for cash back and I clicked $80 cash back. And it's like, okay, total is going to be... <laughs> I just realized I lent my sunglasses to Andy because he's staring straight at the sun. I forgot you have a my massive head's head. so big. Oh, head's too big. Okay, that's Go very ahead. funny. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. This story lessons. isn't worth... No, no, lessons. No, this story already is not is going to be a letdown, but you'll see how, how what happens. Anyways, I'm using the machine. I select cash back. I select $80 cash back. It's like total 130 with like my... Or 110 with my groceries or whatever. I say, okay, accept... I like gave me it all it all went through and then his cashier popped open and he's like, Okay and he starts getting out the cash back and he goes, Just so you know, our cash back limit is only fifty dollars and I'm like, Well, you're giving me eighty dollars, so apparently <laughs> not. You know, like <laughs> the machine let me choose eighty and you are giving me eighty, so that's not true. Like it was just so yeah. funny. Yeah. Or if it were yeah. Tell why me that before. Yeah, I know. Or it's why so doesn't the machine stop I know, that's me what from I'm doing saying. it? It's like, why it, doesn't the machine It's stop like being at a doing. restaurant and like ordering something from the menu and her being like, listen, just so you know, that item is not available on our menu, but I am going to make it for you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just like even though just, it's there and I'm making we're gonna it. We're going to do this, but I need you to feel bad about yeah, this know. situation for a bit. It's just funny. It's, it's funny. a small thing, but it's... A friend it's, of the show, Nick Doody, once had uh, a... Uh, it was a small hotel in the Highlands of Scotland. Tell him, yeah, no, 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 we don't have Wi-Fi. A lot of people make that mistake because it says we do in the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> so I thought of a prank recently, and it's not a it's not a, that great of a prank, but it's like a long term prank that I think is kind of funny. Okay, so you start a Yelp account, right? Mm-hmm. And you write positive reviews for tons of restaurants and stores and and everything you can. You write good reviews and you have them be real reviews. Yeah. And then in every review. You also write amazing free fast Wi-Fi, free fast Wi-Fi, in all the reviews that you write, okay? For like a you know like a health food store or like a, a rest a nice restaurant, and then some over the time people might look at that that uh, business and they might search through the reviews for Wi-Fi and see your review and be like, oh, they do have Wi-Fi, and then they'll go there and be like, hey, you guys have Wi-Fi, right? And they're like, no, we don't have Wi-Fi. And they're like, oh, but I saw on Yelp, and they're like, no, we don't. Just a prank. It's a good you know, prank. It's a I, ba- like I mean, I like no one benefits. It's a slow burn. It's a slow There's burn no for payoff, sure. There's no payoff. It's, it's a good prank. I thought you don't get to see the Yeah, you don't get to see it. No, it doesn't benefit this, you at all. It's just negativity into the world. This, makes, this is the... Unless uh, they get us so many times. Oh, they then go, they get Wi-Fi. We should get Wi-Fi. That's and then you're just funny. adding... I just thought this was like a par for the course for a Reed graduate. This is like the uh, prank equivalent of not being able to see your grades. Yeah, exactly. They're out yeah. there somewhere. It's somewhere. Yeah, like this well, prank thought, exists in the world. I, I don't want to see it, the end results of it. I thought of it because I was trying to find a place with Wi-Fi and I was just searching through Yelp reviews for, at like different places yeah. for Wi-Fi and I'm like, but I wonder if you did it this way. <laughs> and it was. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Randy Lidke's done that. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, he that's has a, 20 yeah, fake exactly. Yelp accounts. It's I might funny. have to, just because it's linked to immediately from this article, this isn't really scientific but there is a story linked to it that says redback spider bites Australian man on the penis. Oh, okay. And that that it's pretty much is the entirety of the story. Uh, it happened in a portable toilet uh, to a tradesman on a Sydney building site, and he was it was bitten by a redback, which is closely related to the black widow. Ooh, the mm. black widow distinguished uh, causes severe pain, sweating, and nausea. I th- I read that as swelling for a second, which I mean, like, yeah, it does. Yep. <laughs> but no. 
that's the whole of the story. There was another story about a crocodile getting in a tent that was sent to us by... It's fucking Australia. Australia. Uh, Justin of Earlwood on Twitter sent us a story about it. Oh, he even... He did actually send the... He sent the Redback story as well. There we go. Fucking Australia. Australia. We like you. We have a lot of Australian listeners. What is your country? A crocodile got into a tent. A 19-year-old man uh, survived a crocodile attack in the top end. I believe the crocodile entered his tent and tried to pull him out. It attacked the top end of his body? Like what I think it's a top end is capitalized, so I'd imagine that is a region. <laughs> the top end of his... <laughs> is it really that sort of... Austra- yeah. The it's top end of Australia's northern territory. Oh, okay. It is literally the top of Australia yeah. where they've just gone at the top end. Yeah, top end. <laughs> the bottom part. Oh, what's the John Mulaney joke? Yeah, whatever. It's the northernmost part. Uh, second northernmost part of the of the Australian continent. Okay. Um, what do you got for us, Andy? Well, I was thinking, um, as long as we're talking about red sheets, um, why not discuss a brief history of menstruating in outer space? We probably should. This is a story that was lit- sent in by Claire Drew on our Facebook page. Uh, I think I've actually read this. Yeah. <laughs> Someone linked it to is me. Is it not recent? Oh, no, yeah. It or was recent, it, but... um. But she linked to it, this, I think the story's been covered a few times, but she linked to this Slate article particularly because of a brief diversion about the history of women in space and how they were handled. And, um, yeah. I d- uh, All I, I know is what Mary Roach wrote in Packing for Mars on, on this subject, which I can't even remember. Um, well, there hadn't actually been a comprehensive study. Uh, last week in a report published in MPJ Microgravity, researchers made one of the first scientifically backed recommendations for astronauts who menstruate. Hormonal contraception makes it possible for women to halt their periods, but with the prospect of years-long space missions looming, uh, they advise against taking birth control pills, firstly for the bulk of hundreds or thousands of days' worth of oral contraception. That's a lot of extra packaging and weight and waste. And also scientists have not studied the long-term effects of deep space radiation on hormonal pills. So the researchers recommend long-acting reversible contraception like an intrauterine device, an IUD, or an arm implant, and preferably the former because the latter might catch on or otherwise interfere with space garments. Uh, the male-dominated astronautics community has touched on the ist- issue of menstruation in spaceflight before, but discussions often relied on sexist assumptions and unchallenged misconceptions. Uh, some officials wondered why women needed to be considered for space missions in the first place, uh, in 1971, as NPR reported last year, a NASA paper about psychological issues for astronauts suggested women be used as stress relief tools. Ooh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who knew that an incredibly male-dominated uh, 1970s NASA could have come up with that? The, uh, this is a direct quote. Um, the question of direct sexual release on long-term, on long-duration space missions must be considered. This is the quote from the 71. Thing. Yeah. Practical considerations such as weight and expense preclude men taking their wives on the first space flight. <laughs> Practical considerations, like, yeah. wait. Uh, uh, Neil Armstrong and his wife. And his, and his fat wife, apparently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> his fat yeah, yeah. wife, yeah. Um, no, we're not saying... We're not saying... We're, just, not say, just, we're just saying that these, weight and there's these and people's uh, wives happen to be overweight. Yeah. We're not saying it's a bad thing, just for us, in space, it's not going not to work. Even though uh, they are weightless once they get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting a... Starting um, out. It does get worse. Um, oh my god. It is possible that a woman qualified from a scientific viewpoint, so they are allowing the possibility that a woman <laughs> okay. might be in some way scientifically okay. be qualified. Well, maybe. Maybe. 
might be persuaded to donate her time and energies for the sake of improving crew morale. Oh, what? <laughs> However, such a situation might create interpersonal tensions far more dynamic than the sexual tensions it would release. Can I, can I posit this question? What if you put a ginger and a Marianne on there, just so everyone has like the best of all worlds? Doesn't that... Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And a Miranda... And I'm Miranda Carmen. Yeah, yeah. Mixing worlds. Or no, wait. <laughs> I'm thinking of Carmen Miranda. I can't think of other sex in the city people. Uh, there's no Carmens. No, there's Miranda. There's Miranda. there's a uh, um. There's short-haired one. Yeah, her. Definitely her. There's dark-haired one. Samantha. There's Miranda. Samantha. Samantha. Angela. Mona. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Uh, so in this climate, menstruation was pegged more as an emotional liability than a physical one. According to Cecil Adams at The Straight Dope, several plane crashes in the 1930s had involved menstruating female pilots, what? and experts, uh, that's male experts, suggested that putting a woman with, quote, menstrual disturbances in the cockpit <laughs> was an invitation to disaster. I've never heard that term, oh, menstrual disturbances. Uh, one woman did make it to the top of the U.S. astronaut pro. Uh, once women did make it to the top of the U.S. astronaut program, scientists worried that menstruating in microgravity might cause menstrual fluid to flow upwards from the uterus into the fallopian tubes and out into the abdomen. They predicted this phenomenon could, called, which they called <laughs> retrograde menstruation, could cause endometriosis, which is a painful syndrome where uterine tissue grows outside the uterus. Uh, Astronaut Rhea Seddon, who flew in the 80s and 90s, said, No one commissioned a study to prove or disprove this theory, uh, which she and her fellow female astronauts found absurd. Uh, we said, How about we consider it a non-problem until it becomes a problem? Uh, if anyone gets sick in space, you can bring us home, then we'll deal with it as a problem, but let's just consider it a non-problem. <laughs> or just model it. Like in Packing for Mars, they have experiments where they have people lay in the prone position for months at a time to see what that does to your body. Right. Just do this experiment. While someone's menstruating for that week, have them lying on a table slightly, even in a decline, to see if that happens. You right. Know? Like, it's not that hard to replicate that, or even a worse version than zero gravity, which is like, have, it, have your head below yeah. your hips for... A week and see what happens. Well, it like, says here there's no evidence that retrograde menstruation could occur in microgravity, nor that if it did, it would cause endometriosis. Women who've menstruated in space have all reported that everything went fine, just like menstruating on the ground. Which makes sense, according to this article. No doctor has ever suggested women should not do cartwheels, lie down with their hips raised, or perform yoga inversions during their <laughs> periods, which would exert a far greater negative force on the contents of the uterus than zero gravity. I do dispute that one paragraph. Because it'd be for a short amount of time and not. Yeah, exactly. A, yeah. a cartwheel is a brief, and a, even a yoga inversion is for a, at most what ten, twenty minutes even, at a time, rather than even a cartwheel. Days. You're maybe still forcing things. Out, like you might not even be upside down long enough to. That's whatever. true. There's whole centrifugal effects. <laughs> However, yes. Uh, for the purposes of travel weight, waste disposal, and astronaut comfort, suppressing menstruation, as recommended by last week's report, seems to be the best option. But there is one major downside. It might deprive the men of NASA of a significant learning opportunity. So just before... Don't take away our learning opportunities. Uh, yeah, but at least they get those uh, sexual release tools, you yeah. know? It's kind of cool. Yeah, if I, I'm going to go to the original quote for that this. That was... What was it? Tools for sexual release. That is so crazy to call women like, tools. I don't know. 150 yeah. pound flashlight? But, I don't, but yeah. we are going to get the... the uh, we're yeah. going to get the ones who might be scientifically qualified. Might be. Yeah. Um... So I'm actually going to go because it, it it links to this uh, oral history of the space uh, the an interview with Sally Ride, and uh, which I still can't believe is someone's actual name. Yeah, like that Mustang Sally as a song existed before she was born. That always confused me as a kid. The same way Woodstock the Bird, Woodstock the Festival, I never got. Like, I uh, these both think. Anyway. What's her name? Sally? What? 
Sally Ride, but in Mustang oh. Sally, that the chorus is Ride Sally oh, Ride. Right, like, right. how is there someone named Sally Ride who's famous and there's a lyric? Anyway. Uh, so um, I'm going to go to Sally Ride's actual original quote about tampons in space. Because uh, she said, um, it's actually kind of funny because there was a reasonable amount of discussion about it. The engineers at NASA, in their infinite wisdom, decided that women astronauts would want makeup. So they designed a makeup kit. A makeup kit brought to you by NASA engineers. Uh, so you can imagine the discussions amongst the predominantly male engineers about what should go in a makeup kit. So they came to me, figuring I could give them advice. It was about the last thing in the world I wanted to be spending my time in training on. So I didn't spend much time on it at all. But there were a couple of other female astronauts who were given the job of determining what should go in the makeup kit. And how many tampons should fly as this part of a flight kit. Best. This is the best. I remember the engineers trying to decide how many tampons should fly on a one-week flight. They asked, is 100 the right number? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would not be the right number. They said, well, we want to be safe. And I said, well, you can cut that in half with no problem at all. I mean, also, it might be zero. I mean, what week, you know, it's like, what week are they talking about? The number yeah. might be zero. <laughs> acting like it's always an issue. It's so crazy. Um, so, yeah. The, na- it is amazing. Well, I guess this is sort of pre-internet and when people really just did, really didn't talk about things. Yeah. So it is just this sort of the, the mysterious curse of the woman. Yeah. Like, back when, they, like, the woman would just get, well, the girls would get taken into their own class and we get taken into the yeah. boys' class and... It's also so funny, just like the dichotomy that like there's this lack of knowledge about such a very easy to understand thing by these people who know about space. It's like they right. are so they, smart and understand this crazy stuff that most people have yeah. no idea how to even comprehend it, and yet this very simple thing eludes them. Yeah, it's. But then again, they were pulled to a different classroom yeah. in seventh grade, so, I guess so. Can they held responsible They're for what rockets. they did. They're I'm, not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a woman biologist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But here's my idiocy, because I didn't know that an IUD stops your period. Or I didn't, does, I didn't, know, that, I didn't know that either. Uh, I presume it might. I think it does. I believe it Completely? does. Uh, I, I thought I... Uh, okay, I, I don't want to talk anymore. No, so I hear you. I'm I, in the I same boat. I haven't seen Lemonade. I didn't think an IUD stopped your period. I'm in the same boat. Uh, I'm not up on things, I guess. Uh, or maybe they're so just are saying, there hormones in IUD? I mean, I know it's like a metal, them, I know it's a metal thing. Some do and some don't. I know that. I know it it's can like, work even without hormones so it can work weird. just because it's like a foreign object there can now we're just as bad as the men in this article well God i know damn. but we're trying to f- figure it out you know we are no i think that uh, they i believe can work i believe the modern from... the modern ieds do have slow release hormones like like the arm implant as well i've never even heard of an arm implant what's up with the that? old coils used to actually just stop the egg from physically like implanting. Wow. some of them yeah so yeah it could be f- yeah, it, it stops the egg from actually reaching the uterus and becoming implanted. And yeah, they, they often wow. contain either copper or right. I know that levonorgestrel. So I think there can be hormonal or non-hormonal ones. What about the arm implant? I've never heard of that. That's um, it, they've been around for quite a while. That's just like it's like the pill, but much lower dose and for much longer. It might How be big is it? Because they were saying it interferes with your suit. That bit, that bit about it surprised me. I it's it just was like a little below your skin. It is below. It's yeah, yeah subdermal. It's... It just. Uh, but I suppose there is a little bump in your skin where it is. So maybe if you're hmm. in a situation where you might need to get things on and off really quickly, huh. you don't want anything that can catch. It seems. Uh, yeah. That surprises me as well. Yeah. And it would be too expensive to bring up like uh, eight by tens of Ted Cruz. 
to, to stop women from ovulating. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, it's just fully dry. They just shut it down. Yeah, it's just, just, just shut, shut down. The whole, the whole thing, thing is shut down yeah. in there. Who said that? Political. Oh yeah, um, that was shut that whole shut thing. Shut that down. whole thing when like if a woman that if a woman is non-consensual, she just shuts that whole thing down. I think down. that was a Senate guy, wasn't that it? Was so crazy. Uh, the guy, the name I was going to pull was the guy who had the uh, airport sex with a dude. That's not the right one. Oh no, right. were you thinking Ted Haggard? No, no, no. Todd no, Aiken the, was um, the one Todd who said Aiken. that. Okay, uh, he was a the former U.S. representative for Missouri's second congressional district. So he was a congressman. Huh. Okay. Uh, Good for him. And he lost to Claire McCaskill in the 2012 election. Good for him. And he was leading, apparently, in pre-election polls until he said yeah. the whole legitimate rape thing. Yeah. Uh, he eventually apologized for the remark, but rebuffed calls to withdraw from the election. And he lost by 54.7% to 39.2. Yeah, gosh. So fairly... Oh, in a book published in, t- in July 2014, though, he said he regretted apologizing and defended wow. his original comments. Good for you, Todd Aiken. He kind of shut his own thing down, you know? Yeah. yeah. In, a way, I, in a way, I kind of respect that, where he's like, no, I am an asshole. I am a horrible bigot. That's a yeah. funny I, thing. I'm when, sorry yeah, I yeah, pretended yeah. not to be a bigot for that one. I love that. Sorry for being sorry. I love that public moment when you're like, when someone does something and someone asks them like, so would you do anything differently? Like, it's like, here's a very <laughs> easy out. And they're like, nope, definitely not. Definitely. <laughs> like, everyone's against them and they still well, say I, no. <laughs> Which is the worst question to ask anybody because like, who in their life in any job they've had, in any role they've played, doesn't have something they would do I know, do but that's what's so funny to see these people who like, it's a very clear controversy and yeah. everyone is against them and they have an easy out and they're just like, nah, I did the right yeah, thing. It was <laughs> like, all wait, up. no. Was smart decisions. Like, I feel like what's, I feel like the guy who who shot Trayvon Martin. I feel like he said that or something. Well, I yeah. think he did. They were like, yeah. would you do anything different? He's like, nope, exactly how it happened is how it should have happened. It's like, oh my God, at least say like, it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. there's a way that I could have <laughs> subdued this person without killing him or it's something. so or, like, crazy. Yeah, uh, I wish it hadn't caught. Co- yeah. He- <laughs> it's like so crazy. I wish he'd tripped and fallen and knocked himself out. So yeah, I didn't at least a little yourself. different. Like something to you. Yeah. All right. Mm. What's next? But speaking of politics, by the way, we should plug, um, just because they're friends of the show and super funny people, uh, the Trump versus Bernie mm. debate is tomorrow on Fusion. Great. Let me make sure I have the date right. It could even be tonight. Um, this is James Adomian as Bernie Sanders. And I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but... Um, uh, um, um, Atamanek, I think. Anthony Atamanek is it. Donald Trump. And both of them are astoundingly good impressions um let's see it's gonna air on fusion on and it's also co-written by friend of the show john roy lots of friends of the show involved in this yeah thing. yeah uh it was super funny come on give me a date on this give me oh you went to the actual taping didn't you yeah i went to the taping it was they have so much to work with they could cut together like three different specials from that well, april 27th 9 p.m that's tonight okay so, also may 11th at 9 p.m okay so if this, if this isn't out in time may 11th check out fusion and uh watch the trump versus bernie debate with uh anthony adam yet adam atamanek atamanek and james adomian why you are uh, oh tony and atamanek yeah about Tony. 20 different people wrote to us to with the sad news that Boaten McBoatface, despite topping the poll, may well not. <sighs> it's Of course it's too good to be true. And also there was the other dissenting vote that said, it's not a boat, it's a ship. So Shippy the Shipface. Shippy McShipface. <laughs> what was this for? There was a boat, there was a ship that was uh, being commissioned by the uh, British Navy. It's a, a it's scientific a- research vessel that they... Um, Put it to the public to name because like, this oh, is an right. important like three hundred million dollar vessel. It's going to be groundbreaking in what it can do. Let's give it an, a name befitting its stature. 
And then someone suggested Bodie McBoatface, and that went straight to the top for yeah. the voting. So Internet voting has never backfired. Never. <laughs> Always keep doing it. Also, the really good thing when something's gone wrong on the internet is to try and suppress that story as well. Yeah. I really... Yeah. The, the opposite of this is my high school's mascot, because my high school was, uh, for a long time, Ann Arbor, Michigan only had one high school. And then when they built the second one... Um, I guess just tradition states that everyone has to hate the newer one. And it was also built on a landfill next to a river. <laughs> so it was pejoratively called uh, people who went to that high school were pejoratively called river rats. And so then they like took back the night and started calling themselves river rats. And they put it to a vote to decide what the mascot was. And I think river rat wasn't even on the ballot. Everyone wrote in river rat. They're like, no, we're not going to be the river rats. Amazing. Okay. Let's do another vote. It kept going. So yeah, 30, 40 years later, it is, it's the it, river it has rats. been the river rats. I love high school's it. mascot was a river rat. I love yeah. It. Um, Take back the night. Yeah. Justin Broad just sent in this other story. By the way, you can send in stories. Uh, you can um, send in stories at probablyscience@gmail.com. You can also we link to all the stories at probablyscience.com. That's also where you can find the donation button. I think there's some donations that are missing from this document, but we have. Oh yeah, I didn't get a chance to update it today. Oh, okay, sorry. we have Ryan so. Begley to thank for a donation, and also Julie Elder, and uh, and a recurring donation from Madison Jones. I'm sure we have some more recurring donations as well. But, I can get um, those up real quick while you're cool. Uh, but also, a friend of mine said he tried to donate to the show and had an error message come through from PayPal. Uh, and I don't know whether that's just a problem with his PayPal or whether it's others. If someone has tried to donate and had issues with that by going through the donate uh, tab on probablyscience.com, can you, you let us just, know? Cause... You can just call 1-800-EAT-SHIT. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of sounds to me like your friend is just lying to you. Dude, I tried to I donate, tried, man. I totally me. tried. Yeah. <laughs> I tried a bunch. Um, the other way you can really financially help us out is if you're shopping on Amazon, either in the UK or the US or Canada, uh, click through our link first or, uh, through the Shop Amazon tab on probablyscience.com. We'll set that as the link for Amazon on your browser of choice and you don't have to remember it, just bookmark that page and it'll autocomplete. Uh, because we get a kickback. We get a not inconsiderable commission and that really helps us out. Yeah. And the other way you can help us, someone wrote the other day saying, how can I help you? I can't, I, I don't shop on Amazon and I can't afford to donate. And that is by spreading the word, sending, saying nice things about us on iTunes. We're now on Google Play as well. Oh, yeah, they didn't have podcasts at all until recently. Uh, We've just added ourselves to that. We're on Stitcher and, you know, whatever your podcasting platform of choice is, give us nice ratings, give the individual episodes nice ratings and write nice reviews. And that really helps. And also tweet and Facebook and spread the word. Mm -hmm. Um, Other, Other donations came from Peter Lipsy. I think it's pronounced that way, who set up a monthly donation, which you can also do. Um, Murray Porter, thank you so much for your one-off donation. And two more. We had Murphy Shane, if that wasn't mentioned, a monthly one. Emma Wilton has a monthly donation. One last one, Peter Hobley. Um, He donated specifically so that we can get bidets and sound equipment, and he hopes my ass will sparkle. (laughs) He said arse, but uh, and and the sound will be crystal clear forevermore. There was actually a uh, an email we got, and it was just sort of made me relatively delighted. This is the show that we have. We get letters like this. Uh, Listener Erin Minish, uh, who does admit to being a bit OCD, but her concern about these types of cleaning toilets is that she's worried about the actual squirting bidet spray itself is within the toilet area and can itself be covered in toilet matters. Yes. And therefore you will actually be spreading... You'll actually Hmm. be spraying... Wasn't that the concern last week? I don't think so. I don't think we actually mentioned that. But you'd be spraying basically unclean stuff on you and making yourself more unclean. 
Uh, I mean, you know, it's, you guys have any experience or? Well, I, I, I was just for some reason I clicked on. So there's there's one called Tushy. I'm giving uh-huh. them all this free advertising. They aren't even a sponsor. Maybe they will be. Um, but I think it was one of those. Um, big Kickstarter things. So right. It somehow showed up in some feed and I clicked on it. And now that I clicked once, Amazon or Lots Facebook keeps yeah. constantly like, hey, remember Tushy? Are you yeah. going to go to Tushy? And it's pretty cheap and it's just a mechanical thing. You just hook up directly to the water thing that your toilet goes to. Right. So it's like 50 or 60 bucks and there's no moving. It's You just do this and it sprays your ass. And that seems like a pretty logical thing. I've so I'm debating doing it. But I've encountered those in Japan like yeah. a, a toilet that is very high tech the toto. and to get yeah to get away from the the like making it dirty it like comes goes back out. it goes back out. it retracts yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. a, it's like a robot that after yeah. you flush it comes chill well, this, comes up the, I, have I ever told the story of what happened to me in Tokyo with one of these things I can't, if you did it was last week and I should know no it wasn't last remember. week but I think it might have been a while ago that I told the story because I wanted to know how that toilet worked because it did I mm-hmm. couldn't see where the water came from <laughs> so I pressed the button yeah I've done but that nothing too. happened oh. nothing happened I realized I realized that oh there must be like a pressure sensor so it won't work unless you're sitting on it so I put a hand on it and it turned out that wasn't enough weight so yeah. then I put my left hand on and then my right knee because yeah. I couldn't put both hands oh, on because yeah. I needed to press the button you got sprayed so then I pressed the button <laughs> and they just watched this little I just it was in slow motion this little like funnel the, like came the alien out. inside the alien yeah, yeah. Like the funnel came out and they just shot this perfect arc of water straight into my crotch yeah <laughs> like oh wow into, into my I think like beige trousers oh, <laughs> just oh my God, and then i had to hit the kind of air drying button and hover over it for a while <laughs> to try and dry myself very funny um, all right fuck it i'm doing it i'm just gonna get it yeah Who try cares? it out why not what's the worst that could happen i mean yeah it's it's just, yeah you could try it for a bit and go like oh this isn't good at all and you've wasted what is it 15 bucks it's something it's 50 i think oh is it that much there's even cheaper ones on amazon that are copying yeah, this yeah um, um but this is like, this gets sort of toilety maybe but and it gets Australian animal as well. But heat is the best option for treating jellyfish stings. Damn it. They uh, they may look innocuous, but jellyfish can pack a serious... St- oh, fucking editorializing. <laughs> Fuck you, article. <laughs> what, Fuck did you, you. Think? what did you think was going to happen? Jellyfish can pack a serious sting. The bloodsuckers are yeah. going to... And with some species benefiting from ocean warming due to climate change, the number of swimmers getting a nasty surprise in the water is likely to rise. There's long been debate over whether it's best to treat jellyfish stings with heat or cold. And now a team from the University of Hawaii at Manoa claims to have reached a definitive answer. For their study, the researchers trawled through the databases of major scientific journal articles uh, to find every study examining the effects of using temperature-based treatments for jellyfish stings to date. And after combing through more than 2,000 articles, they found the vast majority of evidence came out on the side of hot water immersion. Hmm. People will think ice helps because jelly stings burn and ice is cold, says Christy Wilcox, lead author. And if you Google it, many sites, even those considered reputable, will tell you to put ice on a sting to dull the pain. I've never heard ice. I've only ever heard piss. That's yeah, the only. I thought this was going to be yeah. a piss, yeah. But research to date, which is warm, urine is warm. Mm-hmm. Research to date has shown that all marine venoms are highly heat sensitive. Thus, hot water or hot packs should be more effective than cold packs or ice. Bef- oh, but, but it does say before you start thinking this might lend some credence to the old myth that urinating <laughs> on a jellyfish sting is a good idea, the water needs to be warmer than the human body temperature, which is uh, the 36 degrees C, 96 Fahrenheit. Oh, it's slightly cold. It's like a degree colder or two that urine leaves the body at to have a beneficial effect. Specifically, it has to be about 45 degrees C, which is 113 Fahrenheit. And if your urine's that temperature, you're in trouble. Uh, The researchers say this is in keeping with research that has shown marine venom components 
are inactivated at temperatures between 40 and 50 degrees C. That kind of makes sense, because that's around the same temperature that enzymes get denatured, if I remember rightly from my high school biology. Sure, definitely. Do you ever see the chart of, like, <laughs> like, like heat for, like, those sort of reaction graphs of, like, amount of reaction versus temperature, reaction speed versus temperature? Okay. And for, yeah. for inorganic reactions, <laughs> the hotter it gets, the kind of quicker it, the, the reaction. And but there was some big, like, hockey stick at that. <laughs> but, then, but then with, um, with enzyme-based reactions... It sort of the speed increases up to about 40, 45 degrees, and then it suddenly drops off because at that temperature, the enzymes get denatured being, and they mm. just don't work. Okay. Um, yeah, we all know that graph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah I mean, we, anyway, I'm glad I you said that. I could have said yeah. it. Okay, okay, said I it. see yeah, that graph when I, I just, close I just, my eyes. I just, I just, yeah. I when I go to sleep, that graph is just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. So not only did the researchers find the hot water immersion was the key to reducing the pain from jellyfish stings, but it was also associated with improved clinical outcomes. Additionally, no studies reported cases of hot water immersion leading to worse symptoms or poorer clinical outcomes. I was shocked that the science was so clear, given there is so much debate over the use of hot water, says Wilcox. It's simple, really. If you're stung, use hot water or hot packs rather than ice or cold packs. The researchers hope their findings will be taken on board by first responders and public health decision makers who may have been swayed by authoritative web advice articles giving bad advice on the best way to treat the stings. I remember. Are they um, really, are they really bad? Like what happens? Well, some of them. I think if you get yeah, some of the really the more serious ones. Yeah. If you get really caught up by, like just basically tangled in a yeah yeah, yeah. man of war, or is the man of war actually jellyfish, or is it slightly different species? I don't, or like the box ones? Those were those yeah. were bad, box right? jellyfish. But anyway, if you get really yeah, it, they yeah. can be. I think they Painful. can be really serious if you get like a bee sting. If you right. get enough a bunch of them. of them, enough of them. Have you um, had experiences? You're a surfer, Andy. Have you had experiences with uh, jellyfish? Um, I think, but like tiny, tiny, tiny ones where yeah. you get like a bunch of little bites where you're like, what was that? I didn't feel anything, but it okay. must have been like in Nicaragua, there were like little something, hmm. something in the water, bit, some little things that got all over me, bit me, but I never saw. No, I guess no. You don't know. Like, I mean, you, maybe, possible. maybe. Maybe like the jellyfish is like the spider of the sea where they get blamed for any unexplained. Right. A, like, a British tourist. Bites when they don't know if it's a spider or not. A British tourist did die from a sting from an... Uh, Irukandi, which is a peanut-sized jellyfish whose venom heightens the heart rate and blood pressure. There is no known anti-venom. Uh, wow. But I, I think... I I believe uh, jellyfish stings are also alkaline. Because I think there are bottles of vinegar that are uh, alongside that some beaches like and areas. Which yeah. is also why the urine, I think, is meant to work. Because yeah. uric acid is, is acidic? slightly acidic. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, isn't that sort of... I think sea urchin. I have gotten sea urchins in me, and I think people in Hawaii who surf carry vinegar with them for that. Those oh. really fucking hurt, and it doesn't really come out. It's not like it's a. There is venom, I guess, but it's also that a thing is broken off inside you, and it can kind of heal around it, and then it's just in your yeah. body. It's sort of a bony thing. So it's controlling your actions. Yeah, <laughs> starting to get that yeah. ash, evil dead you, hand. You become you become like a, a fish activist. You know, you start <laughs> you start going on those whaling ships and yeah. the anti whaling ships and hot That's vinegar. What to fish hot you? vinegar is yeah, probably exactly. the best thing for you. Hot vinegar. Okay. Yeah. Or just, just some warm water. Hot some vinegar. Yeah. Next time you go to the beach, just pack your hot vinegar. <laughs> that sounds like the name of a search band. Yeah. <laughs> hot vinegar. They've been kicking around Boca Raton for... Hot vinegar with juicy, juicy. <laughs> it's just like... Uh, uh, hey, Andrew. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Oh, wow. Well, just my Twitter is a good start. 
at Andrew Michon. My name is M I C H A A N. That's the last name right there. And Andrew is Andrew's just the normal. Normal Andrew way. Normal. A N D R U with an umlaut over the R U. Yeah, yeah R E W. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't know. I have like a website with stand up stuff, and then I'm working on stuff. I don't know. Cool. Well, check Got it out. Andrew's on. super funny. Thanks. Uh, you can find us at Probably Science. You can also find us individually on Twitter at Matt Kirshen and at Andy T. Wood. Yes. And also check out at Jesse Case and the podcast Jesse vs. Cancer. And Lemonade. And oh. Lemonade. Check out Lemonade. Oh. Uh, we're going to be at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, the aforementioned Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Yeah. Doing a live Probably Science. <coughs> Please come along to that uh, and also be doing individual sets as well. And I mentioned this last week, but anyone... Uh, I've got some European dates coming up. I've got a couple of UK dates, including Glastonbury. And I'm going to be doing some gigs in Greece for the first time. So if we oh, have any cool. Greek listeners... Come and check me out there. I've, I've never gigged in Greece before. I don't know whether I'm going to have anyone there who knows me or whether people are just going to be there because they're there for the festival. Great. But we're going to be doing some stand-up and we're going to be that's doing awesome. a bilingual set list. Yeah, that's... Oh. I have no idea I how that's going to work. someone documents that in some way, even if it's just an audio recording on their phone. I want to yeah, hear how that goes it's going to be really cool. I'm going to co-host that with Lambros, who's the Greek uh, comedian who's running the festival. Oh. And we will be doing... Uh, yeah... Uh, it's going to be mostly Greek comedians doing set list in Greek, but cool. I, th- I don't know how. It'll be cool. It'll be <laughs> yeah. fun. I'll also be at Bridgetown, so doing some good sets. Yes. And then, oh, I have actually have a podcast. It's kind of silly, but it's fun. It's called the Seinfeld Podcast. I think it's the SeinfeldPodcast.tumblr.com. What does it entail? Um, I'm not going to blow the the joke, but it's silly. Each episode is about five or six minutes. Okay. Um, we've done about ten episodes, and we're going to keep doing them. So well, check it out. Great. The you Seinfeld could podcast. Do the entire season to date. Oh, in, it's so easy to listen to. It's on like drive. it's on Stitcher and iTunes and all that stuff. Well, check those out. And cool. as always, uh, questions, comments, clarifications. You can email us probablyscience at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find the donate button and shop on Amazon links. Uh, spread the word tell your friends be nice to each other thank you so much for joining us Andrew thank you it was so much fun and we'll see you next week bye